Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister. I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but is a match from Podmatch. She is a writer, a blogger, a podcaster, an entrepreneur, a wife, a mother. It's Wendy Cunningham. Welcome, Wendy. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Why don't you share a little bit more about yourself with the listeners, like where you're at and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am in Middle Tennessee and I am a homeschool mom. So we just wrapped not too long ago for the summer and we live on an 84 acre farm. So we are elbows deep in garden and fence building and chicken coop making. I'm trying to make the most of my summer break with the kids. How many kids do you have? I have three kids, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Oh, that's those are fun ages. I teach middle school, so I work with mostly 11 through 14-year-olds. Um, yeah. And I, I, like, I like middle school as well, but 10, 8, 6, that seems very, like, sweet. And probably if you're trying to get manual labor for your farm, maybe they're a little bit of a help. <laughs> like they can help with the now. chicken. Yes, yeah. just now <laughs> becoming helpful. My 10-year-old, my daughter, and then I have two sons. But my daughter, I I jokingly say she's really 35. She's very mature. She's very wise. So she's tremendously helpful. Have you guys always been in Tennessee? No, I'm originally from California. So I'm one of those Tennesseans <laughs> that are okay. transplants. But um, yeah, we had moved out of California to northern Nevada, like the Tahoe area, for about seven years before we moved here five years ago. So we've been separated from our California roots for a little while, but anchoring in hopefully for the long run in Tennessee, if that's what God has for us. And you're a homeschool mom and sounds like you do a lot of work on the farm and in the garden. Um, have you have you always just done that or do you have a background in anything else? Or Yeah. So I, I own a health and wellness business, which is virtual, remote. So I've done that for 13 years. That's kind of our you know bread and butter. My husband also works from home He is a real estate agent and a tech entrepreneur. So we are busy (laughs) in our professional life. Um, I did not intend to homeschool, but, you know, God often changes our path. So my daughter did go to kindergarten, but we've been home since then. So we're entering into my fifth year of homeschool, Mm -hmm. and it is the most surprising blessing. I did not anticipate. I did it begrudgingly out of obedience. (laughs) (laughs) I truly, truly love it. And I'm very grateful that we didn't have to navigate the challenges of distance learning and all of that Mm -hmm. over the past couple of years. We just didn't really miss a beat. So it does allow for us to be super flexible, which obviously allows me to work and then have a farm. But we are absolutely always behind on projects. So that's why the summer is the, okay, everybody, let's do as much as we possibly can before we have to start school again. Yeah, no, I, I, I was going to ask how long you had been homeschooling because, I mean, I think a lot of people weren't anticipating that a couple yeah. of years ago. So you were ahead of the curve. And did you find that your lives changed? I mean, all of our lives changed somewhat. But um, did you find that a lot of things changed for you during the pandemic? Gosh, I feel like I'm one of those incredibly blessed and unique people who really did not see much change in our day to day because we already mm-hmm. both were working, you know, remotely 
we live at the end of a dead end road. And so, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like it was kind of just, we're almost already socially distanced, if you will, you know, Mm -hmm. and we live in, in Amish country also. So, you know, I don't know, it's just a little bit different already. So we were Mm -hmm. not affected in a lot of the ways that a lot of people were affected. I would say the the biggest change was I did travel a ton for work and we traveled Mm. a bunch as a family and that obviously dramatically slowed and hasn't yet gotten back to full tilt. So that's our biggest shift, I would say. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about yourself so we can kind of get to know you guys, you and your family a little bit better. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to have you do next is I'm going to have you read the scripture verse, which you chose for us. Mm-hmm. And you chose Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. So whenever you're ready, I'm going to have you read that for us. Okay. I'm actually even going to go a little bit more specific, and it's a short verse as it is, but I'm going to go 2B. And say, start with, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Okay. So I want to give our listeners a little bit of kind of context. It's a beautiful verse, um, but kind of like to tell them what's going on in this scene. I love giving like historical context. Um, I'm a scripture teacher, so I'm a scripture nerd. Um, So this comes from the Old Testament. It is from the history books in the Old Testament. And we haven't done any chronicles verses yet on the podcast. The history books are not ones that my guests typically (laughs) pick. They pick (laughs) a lot of like letters and gospels. And we just generally haven't done a lot of Old Testament. So I'm excited to talk about this with you. And this verse is a conversation between a prophet um, and a king. And we are in the time of Chronicles where um, Judah has split or Israel has split into the northern tribes and the southern kingdom of Judah. Asa is the current king. He is like, I want to say, two or three times removed from Solomon and David. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's like, I think, yeah, I want to say like the fifth in line from David. So he's like the great, great great grandson of David. <laughs> and um, and during this time of the divided kingdom of the divided Israel, um, Israel is really struggling with worshiping the true God and false gods. And even Solomon, the great, great grandfather, <laughs> struggled with, um, you know, initially he was super close to God. And then towards the end of his reign, started worshiping false gods. And that's what led Israel to split. And so we're still kind of seeing this. So this prophet, um, I want to pronounce the name right, is Azariah, I believe, is talking to Aza and saying like what you just said. Yeah. That like if you're if you're with God, you seek him, he will be with you. If you abandon him, he's going to abandon you. And I think encouraging him to like not be tempted by the false gods that all these other kings are falling right. to. So that's kind of where we're at. But my first question for you is why did you choose this passage? Oh gosh. Well, I the <laughs> subheading in my Bible to this chapter is revival under Asa. And I think we mm-hmm. just could use a little revival. So that's part mm-hmm. of it. Um it's personal to me in that I was an atheist and I like to the truest definition of atheism, but I I think this verse actually shows us a little piece of what a lot of people define as atheism, which isn't true atheism, which is like an abandonment of God. Um, A lot of people call that atheism, but really it's rebellion, right? That's not, you're acknowledging there is a God. Maybe you know there is a God, but you don't like God or you're questioning his goodness or you're rebelling against him or what have you. That's not really true atheism. Atheism is not believing that there's a possibility of a higher power, right? And I should have had the definition of atheism 
ready in front of me, but I don't. So no, but I think I think you're right. I think a lot of us get confused with like agnostic. Agnostic is like right. I don't know, or like and kind of what you were describing before. But I think yeah, my understanding of atheism is just like I don't believe that there is a god. A god does right. not exist. Yeah, no, yeah. no possibility. So I even say that I'm like a generational atheist in that my grandmother, my mother's mom, who was the matriarch of our family, an absolute rock and anchor for me was an atheist. And my mom, I don't know if it went beyond her because I didn't know her parents, you know, but um, my mom challenged, you know, very little of that. And that's not a criticism. I think that's actually something we find in the Christian church a lot is Christians, Mm. you know, adopt their Christianity from their parents and never truly, Mm -hmm. sadly, engage in it in a personal relationship Mm -hmm. way. Um, so, you know, my mom didn't challenge much of that. And by the time it got to me, there was almost zero exposure to the Christian, you know, creation account. Um, I was, you know, as I said, raised in Northern California in the public school system. So it is very easy to (laughs) miss Jesus entirely in that scenario. And I never went to church. I actually remember going to a Catholic wedding in a church. And that is <laughs> truly the only memory I have of even being in a church until I was in college. Um, I remember being in high school, really realizing that Jesus was a historical figure that actually, you can't just say he didn't exist at all. Like he existed. You right. can say he was not the son of God, if that's your you know, belief, but you can't say he didn't exist. So that was a surprise to me. (laughs) So I was very, (laughs) very, very um, rooted, if you will, in the belief that this was all just hocus pocus and cuckoo. And until I started dating my now husband, which was in my early twenties, and I kind of missed initially that he was a Christian. He wasn't in, you know, going to church or he wasn't one of those Christians, if you will. And so I, um, we started dating And by that point in my life, unfortunately, you know, having been raised without any kind of a foundation or any kind of guiding principles, you know, because Christianity is a foundation with guiding principles. And I didn't have that. So I had been very much tossed around by the world and trying to figure out where my value and worth was found. And I was an actor for 15 years. So you can imagine in that world how dark that could get. And so when I came into my relationship with my husband, I was just wildly broken and lost. And um, he started to challenge me in a unique a unique way. And it actually, you know, obviously led me to Christ. Eventually, it took a while, um, but it inspired me, this my journey that I went on to write a book and, uh, you know, be an educator for is kind of an educator for evangelism, if you will. And how do you talk to people about faith, especially people who don't have any foundation in it? Because a lot of times we come at it with the gospels and talking to mm-hmm. people about Jesus. And in my case, I did not believe in God. So Jesus was not mm-hmm. a relevant authority and the Bible was most certainly not a relevant authority. And so he had to start in kind of a different way and, and begin in the same way that Jesus did asking questions. Instead of telling me truth, he asked me questions, right? And that was kind of the catalyst in the beginning for my self-reflection. But he would tell me, in not in this Bible verse specifically, but the, this, the spirit of this verse, that if you seek God, he will be found. He is not 
trying to be hidden from you. He wants to be known by you. And I just constantly came back to that concept again, not even knowing it was a it's biblical in that pursuit, which was years, you know, of me trying to figure out what was real and what I, where I had been deceived and where I had really just had an absolute flimsy, you know, foundation for what I believed in and all of these things, I would constantly come back to this idea that he wants me to know him. He wants me to find out who he is. And it actually was kind of the catalyst for me to pray, which was the most strange and foreign thing ever to someone who's never <laughs> prayed before, you know, kind of, oh, how does this go? Do you just talk in your head? Like, what do you mean? And, uh, but that was the, the thing my husband kept returning me to was just seek him, ask him if you want to know him, if you want to know the truth, if you want to be convinced. And that was really what I wanted. I didn't want to, I was just strangely against this idea of the leap of faith, you know, like, I'm like, I'm not leaping. I'm not like going to just go to some conclusion without really feeling assured that that is the truth, you know? And he's like, well, you'll, you will become convinced. It is something you can be convinced of, but that is going to come from revelation of Holy spirit, you know? So you have to, Mm -hmm. you have to ask for that. You have to be open to that and engage in that, which is so crazy and foreign. So, but that is the truth. Ultimately, I can give people in evangelism information. (laughs) I can give them Mm -hmm. resources. I can tell them my own testimony and I don't minimize any of this. This is great and important, but there is a revelation that has to come from God. And it it has to be, uh, of course, God can reveal himself to whoever he chooses. You do not have to be seeking him in order for him to reveal himself to you as Paul is a great example of that. But I do believe that you're going to speed up the process and you're going to have the right heart posture to know what you're experiencing when that comes, you know, when you are um, seeing God in your personal life, you know, seeing his revelation, however that shows up. So that's why I chose that verse. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> a I mean, your story is so cool. One of the reasons I, I started this podcast was to hopefully have conversations with not just Christians or Catholics, but like with people from all walks of life that I know that you have converted to Christianity. Mm-hmm. But it is so cool. I really like I have I do have friends currently that are agnostic or maybe atheists, but like they weren't raised that way. Like they maybe mm-hmm. rejected like concepts like a lot of my friends were raised with a monotheistic belief system and then either rejected it or accepted it. So it's so interesting to hear someone who like, like I can't imagine, like I'm curious as to like what that first prayer maybe look like. And like for someone who me, who I pray regularly, I don't always have those like revelations that you're speaking of. So I guess my questions, next questions are like, what did that first prayer maybe look like or feel like? And then when did you have that kind of revelation? Like, what did that look like? Sure. Yeah. I describe it in the book as a phone call to like a distant grandparent who you know loves you. You don't know them personally, maybe, you know, maybe you've met them like once, you know, but you know, they want to hear from you. You know, they love you, but you don't know what to say. Like what is even real, you know, like, mm-hmm. is this real? Or like leaving a message for a, that grandparent is how it <laughs> felt. Just like, Hey, um, <laughs> call me back if you get this. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Very awkward, very unfamiliar and strange. And, you know, I do think that God encourages persistence in this, you know, and so it wasn't right away. And honestly, I can't recall the timeline between when I first began praying or, or earnestly praying and 
when I had the revel, I know when I had the revelation mm-hmm. and that actually comes from, um, I was pregnant with our first child. So my husband did marry me as an unbeliever. And this is a stumbling block for Christians who I talked to mm. and, and absolutely it was, there's no question disobedience on his part, but it's an example of what the enemy means for evil. God will turn for good. And his mm-hmm. response to this part of our story is he had prayed very specifically about, is this the person I'm supposed to move forward with and felt very convicted? Yes. So, okay. You know, and he also mm. knew that our job as humans is to set people on the search and Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit's job is the revelation. And I, as a control Mm -hmm. freak, often get Mm -hmm. these mixed (laughs) up and think my job is to introduce them and take them all the way to the altar, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. get them saved, you know? And he knew that he had done his part and he knew that I was truly seeking, like he could tell my heart posture had changed from a position of trying to prove myself right, which of course is everybody's initial posture is I'm right, you know, so let me prove you right. Let me prove myself right. And that was absolutely, I went to research the big bang and evolution and all these things so that I could bring all this scientific evidence to him and be like, you're ridiculous. This is where we came from. And ultimately that was a lot of my revelation was these things are ridiculous. Like when you look at them as an adult, you know, I learned about them in school, which I cared very little then and cared much more as an adult when I was truly trying to understand these ideas So that was kind of the first part, but, um, we got married and we, you know, I was pregnant with my first child and I had just, there is a intentionality in God allowing for us to be creators on this side of eternity, right? Like that we can experience what it is to create a human. And I felt very strongly, I didn't find, I didn't know the gender, of any of my children, but so I'm, I don't know this person, but I love this person, right? It's kind of this Mm -hmm. similar concept. Mm -hmm. I'm in relationship with this person. I've never met them. I can't see them. I can't touch them. They're not real in any way, tangibly in my hands. Like I feel them inside, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. this strange, obvious thing that I'm like, oh gosh, this is a trip. But also this idea that how am I going to have this child once she, he is on the outside of me, I won't have any, I mean, I will have a, a, an amount of influence, but they will have free will in the same way I will. And I, you know, they were, they can leave my house someday and never talk to me again. They can absolutely deny me as their parent. They can recognize none of my sacrifices. They can, you know, like they can do whatever they want. And I, I, my heart will never change towards them. I will always love them. I will always hope for their return to me. I will always want for them to be happy and successful and all the things, right? And I just was so struck by that parallel. And I remember being like eight and a half months pregnant, nine months pregnant. My husband was a firefighter, so he was gone often. And I was folding laundry one afternoon. And I just, I was kind of praying, thinking, you know, reflecting in my brain in the quiet of my house. And I felt God come, like come into the room. I don't, you know, it's so strange because if you've never had an experience like this, it's hard to explain it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you have, Mm -hmm. you know exactly what I'm talking about, where it just Mm -hmm. was as if he was always there. It was just a, a, a understanding of he's always been here. And now I feel Mm -hmm. it now, now there's not a wall, like it's real. And Mm -hmm. immediately was brought to my knees in like actual, literally brought to my knees and was like, okay, okay. I believe Mm -hmm. that you are real. 
I don't know how this goes. I don't know what to say or how to do this exactly, but like, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in for the things mm-hmm. and show me more. Like I, I felt the calm and the peace and, you know, I'm, I want that. That's what I want, especially mm-hmm. as I'm starting on this new journey of motherhood where I'm feeling all kinds of unknowns and fear and I don't want to blow it. And I feel like I'm going to blow it if I'm not given some sort of unnatural help here because in the natural, mm-hmm. we fail. In the natural, we fall short. We, you know, succumb to the flesh again and again. I just knew that was going to happen. I needed some other guidance and felt that it was being offered. So that mm-hmm. is the kind of revelation that was on the, you know, on the receiving side mm-hmm. of, of time of prayer, of just truly seeking, like, show me, show me. And that was always my prayer was show me, show me in a real way. And my husband is always, you know, he teases me because that's always like, since I started praying to now, I pray like bold prayers like that. Like I need this specific thing, Lord, like this is what I'm asking for, you know, and sometimes he, mm-hmm. he does, it's not like a genie and I always get what I pray for, but right. you know, I am willing to say exactly what I need. And he is so faithful because I needed a real encounter like that to get myself from to be convinced, you know, and no, no one will ever tell me that God's not real because I had that and have had since similar, just that feeling that is so personal that you're like, okay, this is the real deal, you know? Right. Right. And I, I'm a teacher. I'm not a parent. I think that's beautiful that God as the creator, you know, uses creation like that, especially in motherhood, you know, I'm not a parent, but I I can see how he used that experience and that like unconditional love that you're going to have for your child, like that, you know, he tried to show you, you know, that his unconditional love in that way. And I think that's a beautiful connection. Um, And I, I, I agree with you. Like, I think the moments where, even though I haven't had that experience, the moments where he has revealed something to me or answered a prayer or brought me to my knees. Like those are the moments I go back to when I doubt. Cause it's not like I yes. never doubt or don't have any questions. Like I think Absolutely. we're always questioning that we're not going to be growing if we're not constantly seeking and questioning in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in those moments of maybe in, in the saints talk about it in the Catholic church about like consolation and desolation, like there's moments of consolation where we feel really close to God and there's moments mm-hmm. of desolation where we don't feel his presence, but like, he doesn't mean he does, he's not there. So like, what are we going to do in those moments where we don't maybe feel him or don't have these powerful revelations? So I always go back to those moments of consolation. Yeah. And I did feel him really close, you know, when I'm maybe doubting or feeling less close to him. So I, I don't know. I think that you spoke really well of like that sense of revelation and how we can go back to those moments, maybe when we're not feeling as high or as close to him, right. you know? <laughs> Because those certainly happen. I wish we could all have like these St. Paul moments all the time, but that's not, that's not how it works. But I think, yeah, people think that that's how it works and it's not. (laughs) But also if those are things we desire, we can Mm -hmm. pray for those, you know, like Mm -hmm. if in the same way that I did, you know, in this verse says, seek him, he will be found by you if you seek him. But you have to seek that, you know, you have to be intentional about looking for what you are hoping to see him, you know, do in the ways that you need him to do it, you know? And again, it's not always how it works, but man, there, those are those great moments of, you know, we think that those only happen in the old Testament, you know, like I love Mm -hmm. the old Testament. And I know you said a lot of people talk from the new Testament and the gospels, Mm -hmm. and those are obviously great, but I love the old Testament because it shows me more of the consistency and the faithfulness of the character of God. You know, Mm -hmm. it it is just so remarkable what is revealed in these 
history books and to your point about the desolation periods, there are stories in the Bible that I go, man, when I'm not feeling personally close, but I know that Mm -hmm. Daniel was, or David was, Mm -hmm. you know, I can read Mm -hmm. these stories and go, this is real. This is not like fictitious, Mm -hmm. you know, especially the history books, because that is what anchored me so much in my faith and seeking apologetics and all that was, this is a history book. This isn't just stories, Mm -hmm. you know, like you there, this is like any other history book that you can go research the archaeology, you know, archaeological findings and, other documents that are historical in that same time period to cross-reference like this is real you know and Mm -hmm. that gives me such peace to know he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow you Mm -hmm. know always always the same yeah and I love the old testament too because these characters are flawed like you know these characters are not perfect (laughs) I think you know the new testament focuses on Christ and he is God so I mean, in the Old Testament, in a lot of ways, there's so much more material that we can relate to. And um, especially I feel like in these times where our world feels very divided and we feel very separated. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back at these moments in history and in, in the Bible, and I think about like St. Paul, like these divisions that he was trying to address and Moses, like the divisions that he was trying to address. I feel like this is not new. You know, Solomon says in wisdom, like there's nothing new under the sun, like yes. everything <laughs> is circular and cyclical. and so. It kind of gives me hope, but also it's just like, but then the, when the moments where it's like, oh, this is kind of the way it is. I, I have to seek God. I have to be yeah. okay. Well, how did these guys get through it? How did, you know, that, well, they clung to the Holy spirit and they, they prayed and they, yeah. they stuck to their, their morals. And so like that, that's the kind of, I don't know, these stories are just such great examples for us of like, we think our world is chaotic and it is, mm-hmm. but like also it's kind of <laughs> the way it's always been. So like, we need to seek God as they did, if that right. makes sense. And you mentioned yeah. like, this is the time when they were rebelling against God. <laughs> I was like, this is yeah. one of many, 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 many times right. where right. they're rebelling or worshiping idols. Right. Or, I mean, I, when I teach, you know, to my kids and we're walking through, like we um, read the action Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen mm-hmm. that, but it's a yep. comic book Bible and it's, it's beautiful, but it's really fun. And, you know, I think it's really just accessible to you know, Mm -hmm. a younger audience. So we'll read through it. And it's like, and then, you know, they promised God that they'd never rebel again. And my kids literally laugh. Oh yeah. I heard that before. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we always fall short, but what is the answer? Why, why is he remembered Asa as this King that did the right thing? You know, that was shifting culture because he sought God. And it says down in the same chapter in verse 15, 15b, if you will, they sought him with all their heart and he was found by them. That mm-hmm. is the fulfillment of, if you seek him, he will be found by you. And right. They <laughs> sought him and he was found by them. You know, it's like, oh, good. So it does work out. It's not open-ended. It's like, nope, that's the direct answer. In the same chapter, we see that come to pass, like that he was found. They returned Amen. to him. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you for for giving us the rest of that. I kind of gave the the prequel, but for you for like telling what the rest of the piece and that the Asa does listen to Azariah yeah. and that 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 he does seek God and that he is found. Um, I wonder if we could address like the latter part. I know I don't want to take up too much time, but um, the abandoning part may seem harsh, I think, for some people. Yeah. Um, but I you mentioned earlier like free will, right? And mm-hmm. I think I always talk to my students about like, you know, God could God's God, like he's powerful, like he could just force everything and like Mm -hmm. make us love him. But like he doesn't because 
you know, love is love is like will our will like we mm-hmm. we get to choose who we love and and put that love it's our choice and that makes yep. the love all more special because like someone has chosen and he has chosen us and so then we get to therefore choose um yep. and so i think the abandoning part is more like about the choice i don't know if you want to speak to that what do you think yeah i i think that's another huge thing that we're seeing here in the why the way our culture is just absolutely falling mm-hmm. apart you know is we have largely unfortunately abandoned God at the center of our lives. I mean, we worship idols. We worship ourselves. We worship money. We worship our degrees. We worship our pastors. Mm -hmm. We worship every other thing. Mm. And we have forgotten our first love. You know, we have fallen away. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And not just in this country, but obviously I'm very personally (laughs) connected to that now. But I think that's more the case. You know, I think there are fewer and fewer true atheists and more people that say they're atheists, but they're just absolutely walking in rebellion. And it says in Revelation, you know, it talks about how they will know that this is God's wrath being poured out. There's not like, what is happening? Like it is an, it is an acknowledgement and a knowledge of this is God and this is his wrath. And they still do not repent and turn back. Mm -hmm. That is just really breaks my heart, but it shows exactly what you're saying. It is, he will allow us to have our free will. It, he will protect that above anything else. And that because only from free will, can you truly love only from free will? Can you truly be obedient? Love and obedience involves self-sacrifice. Yeah. It cannot, they're not separate, you know? And to your point, like I am really annoyed with how much is trying to be forced <laughs> in this country right yeah. now. Right. And so I, I would not want, I would not appreciate, let's say a God who forced obedience and who forced love that would not, I don't think it works in parenting, you know, like, let me just force mm-hmm. you to do this. Like there's right. an explanation, there's a conversation, there's a relationship. And the reason I always ab- obeyed my mom was not because I mean, yes, I feared consequence as we fear consequence from God, but I didn't want to let her down. I didn't want to disappoint her. I wanted to stay in her favor, right? And that's exactly it is that's where our heart posture should be. And if we Mm -hmm. were forced, like if I, if my car drove me home at curfew automatically, I had no choice about it. It wouldn't be the same (laughs) obedience, you know, it wouldn't show anything about my heart posture, you know? Right. No, I think that's so well said. Uh, we could get into a whole topic about like freedom and choice and like will and all of that. Yes. But I, I you know, we've kind of come to the end. But I, at the end, is there any kind of last takeaway you'd like to leave us with about this verse? I just hope that it is an encouragement, you know, to to yeah. Christians, people searching, non-believers. If you have a family member that's not a believer, that this is our God. You know, He wants mm-hmm. to be found. And our job is not to prove God or, you know, tell everybody the truth. You know, it's like it is to show, encourage them, let's say, to be on the search, encourage them to be on the search. And that is our role to play. And Holy Spirit will pick up where you leave off and Mm -hmm. he will do his work because he is pursuing these people to the end, right? He is pursuing them. He loves them more than we do. He loves us more than we can even imagine. And if we want that revelation, if we want that closeness and intimacy, or maybe a refreshing of it, or maybe you're listening mm-hmm. to this and you're like, you know what? I am that person that 
has just always gone to church. I take it for granted that I'm in, I'm in eternity, you know, I'm good to go, but he didn't, it's not just about salvation. It's about life abundant. It's about relationship Mm. on this side of eternity, not just on that side of eternity. And so we can enter into that and we can engage in that and have such, so much more fruit and abundance and joy and all of that if we're seeking. Amen. Uh, that's You said so many beautiful things there. I'm not going to even expand on any of them because I just <laughs> am going to let that sit. But um, Wendy, I also at the end give anyone a chance to plug. I know you mentioned a book a couple times. So where can we find out more about your book or other projects? Yeah, my website is gainingmyperspective.com. And all my things are there. I, my podcast is by the same name. It can be found on that website or all of your podcast places where you listen. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is called What If You're Wrong? And it's mm. my testimony from start to finish. And I wrote it as a testimony or really as a tool for Christians to talk to nonbelievers or for a searcher, you know, someone in the, in the journey uh, to kind of walk my path alongside me and kind of see how I reasoned things out and all the directions I went. Um, and I'm also uh, have recently put out an ebook, which is called a devotional for a divided nation. So kind of just mm. encouragement in this current moment in history in this current country. And I'm just wrapping up a second 30 days that will be volume two. So those are both available there as well, or the second will be soon. Awesome. Well, I think I, as someone who's been in ministry for, you know, most of my career, I think that that's so valuable to know how to speak to um, non-believers. And so I encourage everyone to kind of check out your story and thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, if you all want to find out more about me and my podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at seven mile chats, all spelled out. I'm also on Twitter at Miss Struckley one M S S T R U K E L Y one, where I tweet about what I'm doing in my classroom. But Wendy, thank you so much for picking this verse and for sharing your story with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye everyone.